there. Welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Spark. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who likes to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week we are doing yet another Marvel film. We are discussing the amazing Captain America, the first Avenger. However, we have a special guest with us. That we do. We have our good friend, one of my groomsmen at our wedding. Ah, oh no. Poor, poor him. <laughs> yeah, I know. But Richie Marchand is here. Yay. Oh, thank you guys for inviting me. I feel honored. I feel huge relief because we were trying to get this together for about two years. And now yes, we uh, fun fact. Actually, right before COVID hit, we were planning on doing an episode of Shoot the Flick with Richie, but then COVID happened, and at the time, Zoom like wasn't a thing, so we were like, okay, I guess we'll just reschedule, <laughs> and then we were scheduled <laughs> on and on forever. <laughs> yes, indeed, but finally, we got it all together. It My works badgering now. you guys on Twitter. What movie were we going to watch? I feel like it was going to be a shit movie. It was The Watch. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> this is better. <laughs> so have we all seen Captain America, the first Avenger before? I just saw it two weeks ago for the first time. For the first there time. Oh, okay. So pretty much uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, it came out my, like the end of my junior year. And we just did a whole like history section on like World War II. So I was kind of like burned out on like World War II movies. Like, I got to watch, like, say, in Private Ryan. And plus, the advertising for Captain America, it was, it's so weird how superhero movies evolved into advertising because it didn't really look like a superhero movie at first. It kind of looked like one of the movies that the director, I can't recall his name off the top of my head, but I know he did, like, movies like The Rocketeer. And uh, it, it really did look like one of those movies he directed. Yeah. The director's name is Joe Johnston, by the way. I have that in my fun facts. But yeah, no, he basically was hired to do this movie based on his work on period movies like The Rocketeer, like October Sky, stuff like that. But he also did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and like Jumanji. So he's good with action, too. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah, at this point, I was already deep into like every time a Marvel movie released. I was like, yeah, let's go see it. Yeah, I I get that as well. I did see this in theaters and my opinion hasn't really changed much about it in that it kind of suffers from phase one MCU syndrome of like kind of bland and boring sometimes, but like it has good moments. That's basically what this movie is. That's a good, solid movie. Like there's nothing inherently wrong with it. It's just paint by the numbers. It's like they checked off all like the origin superhero boxes. Scott, did your opinion change at all of this movie on rewatch or no? Um, I agree there are some slow parts, especially in the beginning. But I think overall of the MCU phase one, like before we hit Avengers, Mm -hmm. this is the second best of that grouping. Yeah, no, it's not bad. Like I, I agree with Richie that there's really nothing wrong with it necessarily. But it's not like a standout movie, I don't think. Well, you also have to think about all these characters, Iron Man, Hulk, Captain America. I'm missing one. <laughs> Four. There you go. The one we did last one. Yes. All these characters are Marvel's B-tier characters. Captain, not- Captain America was a B-tier? Well, his only good villain is Red Skull. 
He's not I Spider-Man. Mean, He's not the I'm, I'm going to have some words about that later. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, girl, <laughs> me too. <laughs> He's not Spider-Man. He's not the X-Men. He's not the Fantastic Four. Because, again, Marvel had sold all those. Right, but I assumed because it, d- during my research, I saw that they had other movies for Captain America. So I assumed because they had one in the 70s. Yeah. With Red Brown. Yeah. Which I've never I've never seen any other ones. And then there's the 90s one that's like. It's not good. But like it implies that at least the character was popular. They wanted to make movies about it. I don't know. <laughs> so as I mentioned, the film was directed by Joe Johnston. It was also written by. Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who also created the Agent Carter TV show and were involved with several other MCU films, including the other Captain America movies, uh, Winter Soldier and Civil War. So they kind of took on Captain America as as their baby, I guess, which is they it did a good job. It did what it was supposed to do. Cap suffers from some of the same things Superman suffers from. True. I would agree with that. Yeah. He's the big blue boy scout. Iron Man is inherently a more interesting, fun character because he's so flawed. Whereas Captain America is, it became a huge joke when Iron Man would curse and he would go, language. Wait a second. No one else is going to deal with the fact that Cap just said language. (laughs) Yeah. What I think they did that was really smart about the Captain America character is like, yeah, he got the super serum, but he still is dealing with a lot of insecurities, which I think the movie did touch on really well. You know, it's very like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer-esque in that regard. <laughs> That's a comparison. <laughs> that, is, that is indeed my comparison. <laughs> You're telling me you don't want a Rankin-Bass Captain America movie? I, I mean, yeah. now that you say it, like a fucking stop-motion Captain America would be kind of dope. I used to have a superhero stop motion um, show on Kablam, I remember. <gasps> but I know what that is. <laughs> God, Kablam. I That's such a random, like, deep cut <laughs> for 90s kids specifically. <laughs> but um, just to, like, bring it back to another thing that she said about the World War II kind of vibe. At the time of release, Captain America, the first Avenger, was the third highest grossing World War II film behind Saving Private Ryan and Pearl Harbor, of all things. But Chris Evans, though, so it's fine. It makes yeah. up for it. <laughs> Out of the phase one movies, this one grossed the second least amount of money. Yeah, I can believe that. Because I, I think it's partly what you were saying about the marketing and mm-hmm. then partly the fact that, like, I mean, yeah, it made money because Marvel, right? But, like, as far as just against the other ones that have come out, it's not as fantastical, really. No, it's period piece, basically. It's, yeah, it's just a different vibe. And also, let's face it, Chris Evans just came off being in the Human Torch. He also turned down this movie a couple of times, if I remember. I think he turned it like two or three times before he mm-hmm. actually uh, accepted the role. And then it took Robert Downey Jr. to convince them to actually take the role. And yeah. some actors don't want to do like that movie because it's like the first one bombed and then you're contractually obligated for like more movies. Right. Well, he probably first. felt that way because of Fantastic Four because it was like not really well received. I've never seen the, those yeah. movies, but I remember them not being particularly well received. And, you know, mm-hmm. he probably didn't want to get stuck in that situation again. Though one of my favorite <laughs> Stanley cameos is in Fantastic Four too. Just saying. 
Is that the one with the Capri Sun, like Silver Surfer guy? Yes. <laughs> but he goes to uh, Reed Richards and uh, Miss Invisible's wedding. And he's like, I should be on that list. Name? Stanley. Yeah. Uh, nice try, buddy. No, nice no, try. really. Nice I'm Stanley. Yeah. All right. So are we ready to get into the niche and the gritty? Let's I'm get ready. Gritty and nitty. I know. It's like, it's a lot all at once, but you can, you can take it. You're okay. So um, our movie opens. You totally missed the spot. You, what? He could go all day. Oh, he could do this all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, every time I hear I hear that line, I want to sing the song from Hawkeye. Like, I can do this. <laughs> I keep like singing it in my head. Okay. So we open our movie in March of 1942. Because, you know, it's a fucking World War II movie. <laughs> and we're in the 40s. Lieutenant General Johann Schmidt, played by fucking Hugo Weaving of Lord of the Rings and Matrix fame. He comes in you know, all Nazified and stuff. And um, he steals this like mysterious relic called the Tesseract from this mystical old guy in Norway. And that's how we opened the movie. And I like I knew he was Red Skull when we saw um, Hugo Weaving, but I forgot that he was already Red Skull and his face was like a fucking mask. I forgot that part. So I was like, when does he turn into Red Skull? And then I was like, oh, wait, no, never mind. When he rips off his face, I'm like, oh, no, he was already got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Hugo Weaving uh, did not enjoy being in these movies. Oh, no. No, that's why he didn't come back for like ever. He, it was more like he was indifferent to it because he's like, yeah, the experience was fine, but the makeup was like the main problem. That's fair. <laughs> that's a lot there's a lot going on over there i think they offered him to come back earlier than he did Mm -hmm. and he was like nah Nah, i'm okay and he's like oh hey we'll have you come back for like five minutes in infinity war he's like okay sure that was so bizarre like i remember sitting in the movie theater watching that and like i feel like half the people that watched that movie didn't even fucking remember who the hell he was and then the people that did were like why is red skull in this random place in the middle why (laughs) But I guess that's what happens when, you know, you fly into a wormhole, you just end up wherever. So we have a, a nice evil cold open. But uh, meanwhile, in New York City, we meet Steve Rogers, played by Chris Evans. And I think that personally, this is like next to RDJ is Tony Stark. I feel like this is probably the best casting choice they made as far as the MCU. Yeah, it's probably it's. There's a reason the two of them lasted as long as they did. That's true. You could probably make an argument for uh, Ed Norton. <laughs> yes, Ed Norton. He was he he just filled that role so perfectly. I was gonna say Scar Joe is Black Widow. Like, oh sure. You could probably make an argument for her. That's why I feel like we have a similar problem here that we had with Iron Man when we watched the first Iron Man movie. We're like, it's hard to judge the movie by itself anymore because there's so much material to work with with these characters that like it's hard to judge one movie just on its own okay so in new york city we have steve rogers and he is once again rejected to go into world war ii due to various health and physical problems that he he gets yeah he has like a lot a lot a lot a lot of problems and i feel like one of the bigger problems i remember when i saw this theaters was the cgi with skinny steve it was like distractingly bad it was like passable but if you look really hard you could tell 
Yeah, I think the problem, if you see it on a big screen, it's really bad. There are points where it's distracting. There are points where you can tell that it's just a skinny guy and then Chris Evans' skinny-fied head plastered. Like, you can tell. It's just, mm. I mean, they use, like, a combination of technical and practical. Like, there were some points where, like, people were just standing on Apple boxes to make themselves look taller. Well, you got to figure back in the old days, it would have probably been is, like, hey, we get you ripped. We shoot all the ripped stuff beforehand. And then, hey, don't eat now for two and yeah, a half just, weeks. Yeah, just pull a Christian Bale and lose, like, 100 pounds. <laughs> well, to do it for Captain America, they had to shoot everything at least, like, four times because there was one with regular Chris Evans, then his body double, then the scene by itself without Chris Evans in it. Right. And then, and then again. So it's, like, they would film, like, every scene pretty much with Skinny Steve, like, four times. Luckily, the skinny Steve stuff doesn't last very long (laughs) by maybe like the first half hour. He's, you know, sexy, muscly Steve. And then we're like, okay, we can get over the other shit. (laughs) But he he gets beat up by some asshole in an alley and he gives his famous line. (laughs) You just don't know when to give up, do you? I'm going to do this all day. But then we get to meet Bucky. Bucky, his BFF, Bucky Barnes, played by Sebastian Stan who we love. I still love Bucky. Sebastian Stan is great. Well, I just watched a movie he was in fresh on Hulu. It just came out recently and it was super, super good. And he was super cool and fun in it. So feel free to watch that on Hulu if you can. Bucky and Steve go out for a night on the town with some little Chalines and they go to a Howard Stark expo because, you know, fun date night. (laughs) <laughs> they go to Tomorrowland. Yeah. And uh it's a Disney movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I got what you were saying there, oh, sir. <laughs> Howard Stark in this movie is played by Dominic Cooper, who we actually talked about before on Shoot the Flick, because he was in Mamma Mia. He was the boyfriend. One of the three? No, the, the girl Amanda Seyfried's boyfriend. Oh, oh, oh. oh. I forgot throughout this whole movie also that there was like a running thing of like whether Peggy was having sex with Howard Stark or like dating Howard Stark. I was like, I forgot that was a thing. I believe the term they used was fondueing. Fondueing. <laughs> I, I will say that one of the highlights, I think, of the movie, even more so than the eventual romance that starts in this movie, which we'll talk about in a bit. I think that Steve and Bucky's friendship is like way stronger and, like, I give way more shits about that than him and Peggy. I actually kind of disagree with that for this movie. Like, I cared a little bit more about the romance than I did the friendship. Mostly because Lucky and Steve's relationship is a lot more subtle, which is good. I thought the romance here, at least for as phase one Marvel goes, is arguably the strongest. I, I would agree with you probably that this is the strongest as far as phase one, because phase one general romances are pretty basic. I feel like I think Marvel, at least this early on, I feel like they're still afraid that the plug could be pulled any second. You know, I'm thinking about like similar to the other phase one movies we've watched so far. Like I only get like one real like moment of in the romance where I'm, like I'm really invested in it. And usually it's right before something bad happens. <laughs> But, you know, Steve decides he's going to abandon their like little double date night on the town and he's going to go off and try to get recruited into the army again. And Bucky's like, really, bro? Like, come on, this is my last night. Like, can't we just, you know, and he's like, no, I'm going to try and like 
get into the fucking war, man. And he's like, okay, bye. And then they he leaves. Steve goes to try to get recruited again. And we meet Dr. Abraham Erskine, played by Stanley Tucci. So he's cool. And he's a German doctor. And apparently he overheard Steve talking to Bucky about how other guys are out there laying their lives on the line and he should be no different no matter what physical problems he has he needs to be out there just like everybody else and um he he was impressed by what he said so he's like listen i'm gonna give you a chance to serve your country yes and we meet his drill instructor tommy lee jones who anytime i see tommy lee jones i can't help but think of men in black it's either you go men in black or you go batman forever i mean tommy lee jones is like made to be curmudgeon old man character that's basically like his shtick at this point so the fact that he plays a curmudgeonly colonel is like not that insane to me he plays it well he does the deed and we also meet peggy when, when steve and all these other potential candidates start getting trained and whatnot peggy is like basically one of the drill instructors she gets up in guy's face i thought she kicked him in the balls i was like waiting for it the guy gets in her face and like talks smart ass to her and she punches him in the face. I genuinely thought she kicked him in the nuts. I was kind of disappointed, but that's fine. And then I, I really love this whole training kind of sequence in the movie because we get to, I think of the best scenes in the movie period is the flagpole scene and the grenade scene. Yeah. The flagpole scene just shows Steve's wits and everyone else is the typical soldier. Like I can get up there with my strength alone. And Steve's just like, Nope, I'm just gonna get around you. And the, uh, the grenade scene is probably my favorite scene in the movie, too. Yeah, it's really, really good. Because Tommy Lee Jones is like not having this shit with fucking <laughs> Steve. He's like, if you put a needle in him, it'll go straight through. <laughs> and Erskine's like, mm, I don't think so, bitch. <laughs> you need more than just physical. You need, you know, a little bit more than just that. And he proves it for sure. Grenade! <laughs> He's still skinny. So Steve's the choice. He is the chosen one. <laughs> and uh, the night before the treatment, our sky is talking to Steve and he explains like how this treatment has failed in the past, particularly with Schmidt, who we met in the beginning, who is bad guy slash red skull slash evil Nazi guy. This is the one part of the entire movie. Like every other things like this part where they, like they show Hugo weaving and like there's fire and like yeah the whole flashback thing is kind of odd choice but like okay <laughs> just it's just like a weird editing choice how can we make him more evil than Hitler mega Hitler <laughs> in that whole talk about Schmidt Erskine says like oh because the serum wasn't ready yet or Schmidt wasn't ready yet whatever he had permanent side effects is what he said and immediately my first thought was like i compared it to um fucking emil blonsky from hulk i was like oh so schmidt is basically abomination <laughs> yeah to a degree uh because he got like a shittier version of the super soldier serum and it turned him into a creepy like lizard giant crazy man yeah <laughs> and it also kind of made me see Earthskine as Yinsen from Iron Man 
particularly because Steve gets the serum and it works. He goes in the fucking little machine as a little shrimp man and comes out fucking buff as fuck, right? And we're all like very happy. There's a cute part in the scene where um, Peggy like goes to touch his chest and she's like, oh, wait, I shouldn't just like touch your chest, but like it's all there. Well, yeah, I joked as, as she's reaching for his chest. I, I was joking while we were watching it like, is everything bigger? Oh, my God. You got to take it there, though. That's the problem. You always <laughs> got to take it there. Always. <laughs> but the reason that I say the Earth sky is kind of like Yinsen from Iron Man is because in Iron Man, Yinsen basically made Tony who he was. Like, he helped make him into Iron Man, right? And then immediately afterwards, he gets killed. And, like, at least partially, Tony moving forward is, you know, thinking about Yinsen and what Yinsen taught him moving forward as Iron Man and doing what he did and then Cap I mean inside Cap is Cap you know but like he wouldn't be able to do the things that he did moving forward in his very very long life if it weren't for Erskine and then immediately after that he gets fucking killed because fucking Schmidt sends out an assassin to kill him and everything after that like we wouldn't have Captain America without Erskine Steve does eventually catch the assassin, but he, you know, takes a nice chomp on a cyanide pill. So nothing happens and the serum is destroyed. So we really have no way of replicating it other than trying to, like, reverse engineer it from Steve. So he, he's got nowhere to go, really. And we have Schmidt slash Red Skull. You know, he's running around with all the Tesseract power and he wants to use it to take over the world because, you know, Nazi. And instead of like the military and the American government being like, we can use this guy because, you know, he is a soldier and he's like super duper strong. Right. So like we could use him, you know, to help with stuff. No, they're just like, let's put him in some tights. (laughs) and and make him a little song to sing and parade him around the country selling war bonds because that seems like a good use of science (laughs) yes i do like though when he's chasing down the nazi before when he first becomes captain america he's not used to his new body so he like runs into like oh yeah I, i did love that like part of it that little addition i thought that was good I also like the part where it's like they he takes a like kid hostage and throws him overboard, and then uh, he's going to the kids. Are like kids like no, I could swim. And I'm just like finally a kid that could swim in a movie. I thought that was so funny. The guy in the back, I just like throws the kid in the water, and Steve runs. No, 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 it's cool. Go chase him. I'm fine. I'm okay. Also, I found it funny that he went into the machine with pants on that fit him perfectly, and then when he gets all buff and like swole his pants are just like still on and fine not ripped at all it's a very hulkish situation we can't see chris evans dick we can't do it (laughs) why (laughs) and also like a great part of the um fucking chasing they they keep having him before he gets the actual shield they just like make any excuse for him to use something as a shield. He used the fucking ripped cab door as a shield. It's like just anything we can use as a big thing to put in front of him, let's do it. Well, the ripped cab door had a star on the center of it. Oh, I didn't even notice that. So I was like, ah, they're already going. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and the guy that had asthma like 20 minutes ago, 
um, can now like dive into the water and chase a fucking submarine <laughs> and not need to like breathe. <laughs> like he's got an incredible long strength. Super soldier. But um, yeah, so the next bunch of scenes is, you know, arguably like the most silly in the movie, I would say easily, where he's just like dancing around in tights and little wings on his head. And I'm Captain America. And it's like, okay. Socking Hitler in the mouth. Yeah, that's always fun. Series E defense bonds. Each one you buy is a bullet in the barrel of your best guy's gun. But what I don't understand about that whole thing is like, okay, I get you sending him to, you know, random theaters or whatever in random cities with, you know, civilians and stuff. But why would you send him on a USO tour to perform for actual soldiers that are like out in the field and like you know like war-torn and fucked up and then they see this fucking guy who's like bigger than half of them and he's like why aren't you fighting wait a minute this doesn't make sense bring out the girls and it's like yeah you should probably just bring out the girls <laughs> it's not really their fault it's, i don't i i felt bad for them <laughs> so he's on his little magical wonderful musical uso tour and lo and behold, Peggy comes calling and like, hi, Steve, <laughs> long time no see. <laughs> but it turns out that Bucky and his crew of soldiers in the 107 have gone missing. Da, da, da. <laughs> I'm going to steal this helmet from one of the dancers and go behind enemy lines by myself and yeah. save my friends. And And he does just that. I mean, you know, everything really is very paint by numbers. Like Richie said, it's very like everything you expect, even in the parts where there's a lot of action. It's kind of like very like run of the mill action, I think. Well, what do you think when the action started going off, Richie? What was your thoughts? Like when he goes there and he saves everybody and I see this guy with a giant mustache and I'm like, oh, it's Damien Dark from there. That's kind of cool. But I, I will say that, like, I was looking forward to the part of the movie where Steve returns to the base camp with all the soldiers, including Bucky, because that was like one of my favorite parts of the movie, mostly because of the score by Alan Silvestri. Oh, yeah. Alan Silvestri. I think he was the same guy who did like the Back to the Future score and a bunch of those like epic movie scores. So, yeah, he was he did Back to the Future, the whole trilogy. And he also did um, Avengers, which is our next Marvel movie that we're going to talk about next month. And he did Endgame too, which I mean, that wasn't emotional at all. You know, I was fine. I didn't cry at all, Scott. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes. I don't know why you're looking at me like that. No. But, but uh, the musical moment in that scene in particular was like, so it just elevated the scene to a different level, I feel like. So after that, we do get the nice little finally Captain America is accepting his destiny. He's in the war now. He's no longer a man to sell bonds. He gets the vibranium shield from Howard Stark, you know. Ooh. But um, yeah, as we get like the montage of Steve kicking ass and taking names with his like crew, eventually they find Red Skull's assistant named Armin Zola, who's played by Toby Jones, who 
voiced Dobby in the Harry Potter franchise. Just, you know, just throwing that in there. Got to fit in a Harry Potter reference when I can. They, they're trying to capture him, right? And there's like this whole like fight scene going on. And this was another one where like, I kind of, I didn't, it was like, whatever. I didn't really care until Bucky picked up the shield because then I knew what was going to happen. So at some point in the fight, Bucky picks up the shield and he gets blasted out the fucking window of the train and he's hanging on and he does fall to his quote unquote death. <laughs> but um, they didn't even give him like a last words kind of like poignant moment or anything because Steve went out to try and get him. And then out of nowhere, he just falls. And I'm like, oh, OK, it's <laughs> just so quick. And I'm like, oh, we didn't even get like last words between best bros. No. OK. <laughs> yeah, that's why the friendship kind of fell off, at least in this movie to me, because together they only had about probably like five minutes of screen time together. And that's a very short amount of time to try to like get that bond. They still did a pretty good job of it, but I would have liked it to be a little bit stronger. I feel like the peak of it was when Steve went to go rescue Bucky and the and his friends in the facility. But then even after that, there wasn't a lot of like strong like one-on-one moments with them. Well, they had the one moment in the bar where Steve's trying to convince everybody to follow them and then right. he goes to Bucky and he's like, "Hey, are you going to follow me?" and he goes, oh, "Nah, I'm not going to follow you. I'll follow that little guy from Brooklyn." I guess with that particular relationship, they knew he was going to come back eventually as the Winter Soldier. Right. So they knew that there would be more time to develop that. Also, this is a complete sidebar. But uh, when they did like the Hell Hydra sign, God, every time they were doing that, I just think of Cesaro and when, what he used to do, like the little like things with like the machine gun like hand. Yes. I keep expecting him to do like the, to do, like, the Cesaro <laughs> thing. Or just randomly grab someone by their legs and start swinging them around like a crazy person. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, one of my goals is to show Frankie a movie with a wrestler that you'll actually like. That's not The Rock or John Cena or the Well, team. good luck. <laughs> good luck it's finding that. A, it's been a challenge, let me tell you. I'm I've sure. It, it's going to have to be a movie with a wrestler in like, the side like he's not a main character because it just... can't be a mo- it can't be a movie where a wrestler is like the main character if it's not the rock or like john cena even john cena is questionable <laughs> at this point i mean peacemaker is pretty good i don't know about oh i haven't watched that yet oh it's really good you haven't yet right no i haven't watched peacemaker yet yeah i heard it was funny <laughs> kind of like if captain america was a douchebag no <laughs> love that <laughs> it, well john cena kind of has that kind of captain america look and in wrestling he basically was captain america like i said everything falls back to wrestling frankie say sooner or later you're gonna oh no i don't wanna <laughs> no <laughs> you're gonna break Jesus it down Christ. and you'll admit yeah this movie's actually not that bad just lower the bar to like the bare bones oh no yeah I, he, he's like an extra he walks in the background <laughs> <laughs> I have two in mind. It's the Condemned or Boone the Bounty Hunter. Oh, she won't like Condemned. I Why won't I like she condemned. Won't like condemned? Wait, what is that? She, she won't. I know her for a fact. She's what not- is it? it, it, it now it I'm starts- intrigued. The players. Ruthless killers. Boom. The game. Stay alive. 
Game on. I mean, it's probably terrible, but like the concept is fun. The second one's terrible. Which one's that? Well, that one. That one had Randy Orton. Yes, it did, and it's awful. <laughs> it's yeah. boring as shit. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, you're really making me want to watch fucking wrestler movie. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. <laughs> oh, no, well, I just said the second one's terrible. Uh huh. It's a sequel. It's not gonna be as good as the original. <laughs> oh <then>. no! <laughs> god forbid. <laughs> But back to Captain America. Fuck, yeah. he dies. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah, he's totally dead, and he's <laughs> never, we're never going to see him again. It's so, it's so, like, unceremonious, his death. Like, I feel like the people, I mean, I guess comic fans knew that he was still alive because Winter Soldier. But, like, I wonder if, like, general audiences were like, is he going to come back? <laughs> um, it was very rough. Because yeah. It's like, all right, we only got, like, 15 minutes left. We got to wrap it up. That's yeah, how like, legit. But um, after this, Steve decides he's going to lead an attack on Red Skull at the Hydra big bad base, you know, and he tries to stop him from using all of these weapons that were powered by the fucking Tesseract to destroy all the major cities in America. He gets a nice pep talk from Peggy say like it's not your fault man it's okay Bucky. it's not your fault your best friend died i'm fine i'm a fucking train i'm fine it's not your fault i'm fine it's not your fault <laughs> don't do this to me man not you man not your fault <laughs> you're gonna watch that soon <laughs> i just don't i don't even know where that's wrong it's goodwill hunting oh it's goodwill hunting oh Oh, I got that from Family Guy. That's from Goodwill Hunting. Oh, that's from Goodwill. Oh, my God. <laughs> you uncultured swines. <laughs> How dare you? What you? We just talked about talking the about? dead for 10 Yeah, days. exactly. <laughs> okay. Say. Yeah, that's okay. Culture. Steve Austin in his prime. As an oh, actor. my God. Ew. No. Oh, he was way past his prime at that point. <laughs> So there, there's more fighting and stuff here, but by this point, I was kind of checked out on the fighting shit. I was like, okay, we get it. Just as let's just get to the fucking point. Um, at one point, he's driving in a car with Tommy Lee Jones and Peggy, and you know he's about to jump on fucking Red Skull's plane to catch him, and Peggy's like, "Kiss me, you fool!" And then <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones is like, "Fuck you! I'm not kissing you. Go get the fucking Nazi guy," you know. The, the bad guy that's going to kill everybody. So <laughs> Steve jumps on uh, Red Skull's plane and he's like, oh, I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. I can do this all day, motherfucker. I'm not scared of your big, scary Red Skull. There, there's a lot more pew, pew, pew. Rogers and Red Skull have this big old fight scene and it's, it's the penultimate fight scene. Pew, pew, pew punch 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 and like i was just kind of like okay <laughs> well it ended pretty quickly it wasn't like it was it was like unceremony like we built this guy up he's a big scary red skull man and he's a nazi and he's gonna kill everybody and okay well I think, it, it was all very quickly ended <laughs> well i think that's part of the issue like you cast hugo weaving because hugo weaving is a scary man just by, by the way he talks and the way he He's much more of like a mastermind character. He's not, uh, I'm going to beat the shit out of you character. Right. It felt like they couldn't decide whether he was like a villain of the week or like an actual like criminal mastermind type guy. That, that's my main, like my main critique of this movie is like, I don't think Hugo Weaving had much to work with. 
interesting. It's like we don't have him playing like any mind games with Captain America, really. We just have him doing like, I just want to blow everything up. Yeah, I agree with that. So obviously Cap beats fucking Red Skull. And in the process of that, he damages the Tesseract. And when Red Skull goes to pick it up, a big ass fucking scary wormhole opens and he gets sucked into it. And Red Skull goes bye bye to a big cliff in the middle of nowhere in some like alternate universe or something. I don't fucking remember, but it doesn't matter because he's gone. Yay. Hooray. Um, Before we get to the admittedly pretty sad ending to this movie, uh, I thought we could maybe talk about alternate casting choices for Cap in our favorite segment on the show <laughs> called The Cast Could Have Been. You mean the multiverse of madness? Yeah, bitch. Okay, so I think yeah. we can all agree that Chris Evans was the best choice for Captain America in the MCU. However, there were other options being bandied about. Shall we discuss them and, and pick your, I, I want to pick your guys' brains about it, okay? So firstly, we have Sam Worthington, who's the guy from Avatar. Uh, we have Chad Michael Murray. <laughs> we love that. Ryan Phillippe, uh, Alexander Skarsgård, Wyatt Russell, who ended up playing fake Cap in the Falcon that, Winter that, Soldier show. Very funny. And last but not yeah. least, Will Smith was considered for Captain America. Did he decline it because it didn't take place in the Wild Wild West? I'm hoping that was the reason, yes. <laughs> Can I rap a song in the end credits? <laughs> They're all fine. Like, none of them wowed me. None of them wowed me like, either. I mean... I think at this point in Marvel, they were just trying to cast not necessarily unknown actors, but actors that weren't known for like a specific thing. Just because before the Marvel Universe even started, like, no one really knew any of these characters. So the actors could kind of, you know, like how Hugh Jackman took over Wolverine. So if they cast someone like a Will Smith or like a Tom Cruise or like anybody known for other franchises, it might be a little bit too distracting. Yeah, I agree. I think it worked out best that way. It's like the same kind of thing for like why RDJ was probably a better choice for Iron Man than Tom Cruise. (laughs) Because you look at Tom Cruise and you're like, oh, that's Tom Cruise. But at the time, RDJ wasn't like, the fucking huge superstar he is now because of Iron Man, ironically enough. So the fact that he wasn't really well known for any one thing, it allowed the audience to kind of yeah. attach him to Iron Man in a, more easily. And Chris Evans, too, in the same way, like he had the losers and he had he had fucking Fantastic Four. So they knew he could put on a suit. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think Chris Evans was definitely the best choice. Even old Chris Evans is a better Captain America than some of the people on that list, probably. So moving on to the ending of this film, which admittedly got me to feel something (laughs) because throughout most of this movie, I was kind of like at a baseline of emotions. I wasn't really feeling anything strongly either way for the most part. Yeah, it's, you know, you get the. Oh, God, this plane's going to crash into New York, but I have to take it down in the water but I'm going to be on the phone with Peggy as I'm going to crash. Well, this is what I meant by like when I I felt their chemistry and their connection the most when they're about to be separated, because even in this situation where like, you know, like they both know what's about to happen. They both know that 
he very well could die in like two seconds they're still just gonna like flirt and talk like everything's fine they're gonna set up a date and they're gonna go dancing together it's like oh it's like genuinely really sad a week next saturday at the stork club you got it eight o'clock on the dock don't you dare be late understood you know i still don't know how to dance and i assume they explore that at least more on peggy's front in the tv show which i've never seen but i kind of am tempted to watch it i know it's on disney plus now so oh yeah and then yeah, now you have the what if with uh, Captain Carter. Yeah, which I that was like a great episode of that show where she became Captain America or Captain Britain, I should say. Yes, it's a good scene. It really is a good scene. There are tears. Yeah, I think both of them acted very well. Oh, yeah. The Tesseract at some point flew out of the plane into the ocean. And then Steve literally gets cut off in his conversation with Peggy as he crashes into the Arctic to only be discovered in present day, 70 years later and become unearthed like, you know, Encino man. (laughs) So in like the end end scene, which is back in present day, Steve wakes up in a very like 1940s looking hospital room and there's a baseball game playing on the radio and he's like "Mm, I'm not really in the hospital right now because that's a game from 1941 and I was fucking there so what's going on here and I'm like didn't you didn't like shield have enough wherewithal to be like okay he disappeared in 1945 let's find a fucking something to play from after 1945 Maybe you could have, you know, that would have required a simple, like, open a fucking file and read his death date or something. Like, that's not too difficult. I thought what was actually interesting about that scene, uh, originally the person who were going to play, or the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent that was going to play the nurse was going to be Scarlett uh, Johansson, uh, Black Widow. I thought so. It's so funny because when she came out, I thought yeah. it was her for a second because it kind of looked like her, the girl. Yeah, that was the original idea to have Scarlett Johansson play that person uh, waking up Steve Rogers kind of deal and it would tie more into Avengers which would make a little bit more sense yeah I thought that it was interesting when he escapes the shield facility and he runs out in the street and it's like all Times Square it kind of reminded me of the scene where he ran out of the thing after getting the super serum and like trying to catch the guy I thought that was kind of an interesting parallel and then like the end line was like the saddest ever because Fury comes out, of course, Sam Jackson is like, everything's fine. <laughs> You've been asleep for 70 years. And then he just immediately after two seconds after saying that, he's like, are you OK? Like, No, I'm not actually. <laughs> and then his last line is, I had a date. And I was like, oh, like, that's sad. Yeah. So then we get the end credit scene where he punches a, a punching bag across the room to death. <laughs> Yeah, it's a relatively short end credit scene. It's basically just leading the way to Avengers because he's like, we got to save the world, Captain America. And it's like the end. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, that was Captain America, the first Avenger. What what do we think? What's our rating for this film, gentlemen, out of five stars? Let's let our guests go first. What's your final thoughts and your rating out of five? I'll I'll give you my rating in a second. Just overall, it was... It was a fine, good movie. It's like, I'm glad I saw it. It didn't overly offend me. I didn't like 
not the type of film where it's like I'm just constantly staring at my watch, just being like, oh god, is this going to wrap up anytime soon? Uh, the only underwhelming thing that I think affected the movie for me were definitely uh, Red Skull, because I think I was expecting a little bit more because it seemed like the movie didn't really know what to do with him. It, it seemed like oh, he's this master manipulator, or is he this, like, guy who's just mega hit? It's like the movie was kind of, didn't really know what it wanted to do, and plus, I kind of wanted to see Steve Rogers and Howard Stark interact a little bit more, uh, because they kind of build up in later movies, it's like, oh, Howard Stark loved uh, Steve Rogers, that and the other thing. It's like, you get a little bit of that at the end, after he finds, like, the Tesseract, and he's like, keep looking, but, uh, Overall, like out of five stars, I would probably give it like maybe like a three, three point five out of out of five stars. Like it's a perfectly fine movie. It doesn't really it's just like it hits all the right beats, it hits everything the right time. It might be the ending might be a little bit rushed, but three B plus kind of movie. Yeah, I actually completely agree with everything you said. Before we watched this movie again, I had it rated as a three. And I was like contemplating if I wanted to change it to three and a half, but ultimately I decided to keep it at a three just because like, I think it is, it's a solid movie. Like we've been saying, there's nothing egregiously wrong with it. It's just kind of like, eh. (laughs) I get it. I do. I also agree with both of you guys. I have it as, well, I was kind of debating between a three and a half and a four. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to go down to a three and a half, but overall, Still good. S- still a fun time. I-, I had a good time with it. Um, And it was a good little uh, Captain America movie. So that was yet another MCU film that we talked about here on Shoot the Flick. Next month, we're going to do The Avengers, which I think is like the point in the MCU like franchise where it really kind of kicks off, if you ask me. But that is next month. And thankfully, it is the last movie of fucking phase one so that'll be even better (laughs) but uh next week i'm gonna be introducing scott to a movie it's kind of a cult film and i i'm very interested and you know cautious to see what scott thinks of it but uh before we go i just want to thank our special guest richie marchade for joining us today to talk about captain america Richie, where can they find you if they want to communicate with you on Twitter? And oh, geez, so it's one true Richie on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Sometimes I do some like Pokemon manga uh, voiceover covers of those Pokemon comics. So I do that on TikTok, and under each chapter is under a minute. So I do those a little bit infrequently, but I'm starting to pick up doing them again. So. So if you're interested in that, I'm in there. And I'm sure I will bother these guys until they review my favorite Marvel movie. But we still have a long ways away until we get to that. Which one's that? Uh, Thor Ragnarok. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's the one that that I forced Scott to buy while we were at Target one time. Oh, you did that. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) All right. So we will definitely have Richie on again because this was really fun. And uh, until next week, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. I'm Scott Eisenberg. And I'm Richie Marchine. (laughs) Make sure you check us out on 
Instagram and Twitter at shoot the flick and check out our weekly episodes. That's right. We're back weekly now. It's every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our exciting, splendiferous movie adventure. I can do this all day. Oh, no. I can do this all day.